Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky of Break of Day Capital. I talk to leading experts to discuss a wide range of subjects to educate investors on best-in-class practices to build legacy wealth and positively impact communities. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky with Break of Day Capital. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Hey, everyone. We have launched the BODC Multifamily Impact Fund. Invest with a trusted operator with a track record of success. Our fund offers diversification, risk mitigation, tax benefits, and stringent acquisition criteria. If you'd like to learn more, head over to our website at breakofdaycapital.com. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have Jordan Berry. Jordan is the founder of Laundromat Resource and an education and community platform for current and future laundromat owners. Welcome to the show, Jordan. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Yeah, thanks, Gary. Appreciate it. So I I was actually a pastor for like 15 years, youth pastor and pastor for like 14, 15 years, and was ready to transition out of doing that vocationally, was trying to figure out what to do. And I had a genius idea. I thought that we live here in Southern California, own our house here. And I was like, why don't we rent that house out? We can take the chunk of money we have in the bank, go buy a condo on the beach in Hawaii. We can go live in Hawaii. And, you know, when our kids got a little bit older and we're school age, then we can move back if we wanted to to California, net gain, condo in Hawaii. And my wife said we could do that or we could build a laundromat and or buy a laundromat. So we ended up buying a laundromat, not moving to Hawaii, still don't own a condo in Hawaii, but we ended up buying a condo, uh, I mean, buying a laundromat and it did not go well for us. It was it was rough. We made so many mistakes, mostly me. I made so many mistakes and it ended up costing us uh I mean we instead of making thousands of dollars passively like the broker told us we would, I was very active in trying to turn this business around because we were losing a lot of money. So it's pretty much the opposite of what we were hoping for and did not go well. However, the concept of laundromats, I still fully believe in. And now that I've learned from those mistakes, I am trying to share with other people so they don't learn them the way that I learned them and get in the business the right way the first time. That's kind of high level view. That's nice. Uh, very cool. When, you know, when people get started, I mean, we, we all make mistakes. I'm curious, what are what are some of the biggest lessons learned that you can help someone that is, is thinking about buying a, a laundromat or, or laundromats. Yeah. So the lessons I learned are Im- probably embarrassingly obvious to a lot of people, but I had no idea. I was very ignorant. 
But you know, the one lesson that I learned pretty clearly is don't don't rely on somebody whose income depends on you making a purchase as your main or sole advisor. You know, just have a third party, whether that's a consultant, somebody else who knows the business or investment that you're trying to do. Uh, just have sort of a third party input in there, giving you you know some guidance along the way. And that was a big mistake of mine. The other one is, so we bought that laundromat all cash and we had some capital. However, we didn't have enough capital to to weather what what we were about to go through when we purchased it. And so, you know, I think and it's something I see happen a lot in this business is being undercapitalized and it just doesn't give you enough wiggle room on the back end in case something goes wrong or in case something doesn't turn out the way that you expect it to. So having enough capital on the back end, usually at least 3 months worth of expenses is what I'd recommend. That was a big tough lesson to learn there too. And then the other lesson I learned, which is kind of interesting, is that this was a a fixer-upper laundromat, I'd call it. We call it a zombie mat in the industry. And we did fix it up and got new machines and I renovated the whole place. We did new flooring and everything. But one lesson that we learned about this laundromat is that it's much easier to renovate or rehab the laundromat than it is to rehab the reputation of the laundromat. And so I think we needed to be a little more proactive in some marketing and some rebranding of the business, You know, just letting people know, hey, new owners are here. It's not going to be run like it was before. And you know, it just took a really long time for word to get around organically. So I think we needed to you know, usher that in a little quicker. <laughs> and and those are three things that could be applied to any, you know, value add multifamily, any business that you buy. Certainly the broker mm-hmm. is not necessarily aligned with your, you know, with your interests. Sometimes I feel like, you know, they'll sell their their mother, you know, for a commission. You know? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and capitalization. There's so many people that are undercapitalized in, in in the business that they, they buy, whether whether it's real estate or not. And uh, that was funny. The, the zombie mat. Yeah. I mean, you know, rebranding is so important. We do that at pretty much all of our our multifamily properties just to give it like just a refresh. And sometimes the branding that they have is maybe more geared towards one demographic versus you know you want to have the the widest demographic appeal as possible. So mm-hmm. yeah, really good things that a lot of investors make, you know. So I appreciate you sharing sharing it. Yeah. So you you persevered and you uh, you know eventually started turning this around. So what were some of the flexion points to help you turn it around? Well, I mean, honestly, a lot of it was just grit, just kind of grit my teeth and suffering through it to just try to, you know, figure it out. But, you know, it was a lot of talking with, talking with people, the customers, getting feedback, visiting other laundromats, seeing what they were doing well and what they weren't doing well. And, you know, just kind of waiting for the snowball to take place. Now, again, I don't recommend doing it that way. I recommend building your own snowball, but that's kind of what, what I did. So, you know, once you kind of get the business established. They're pretty simple businesses, right? There's not a lot. You got to keep all the machines working, keep the place clean, well lit, keep it safe. It's not necessarily always easy, but it's not complicated, right? And so it's just a matter of doing the small things 
over and over and over, which admittedly I'm not great at doing by the way, but it's doing the small things over and over just consistently. And, you know, eventually, you know, word just kind of got around like, okay, you know, this business is different now. It was like gang territory when I bought it and we, you know, took a lot of time and effort, but, you know, got that problem situated and yeah. So there, there was no magic formula. It was just, I could either sell and cut my losses or just grip my way through it. And I'm just stubborn enough to grip my way through it, I guess. (laughs) Great. Goes, goes a long way. So tell me about, you know, some of the best practices in finding and acquiring uh, laundromats now, because I, how many do you have now or uh, I've got a couple now. I'm actually downsizing my number portfolio, like the number of laundromats, because I'd like to buy bigger ones. When I bought, you know, my first couple, they were relatively smaller ones, not doing a ton of money, and so you know, you just kind of outgrow some of those smaller investments sometimes. So, yeah. So, I mean, right now, one of the biggest struggles is finding deals, and so you know, similar to like a commercial real estate, but different from residential real estate is, you know, it it's deal specific, right? You don't necessarily have to pick a broker and work with that broker as a buyer to find a deal. Go find a deal from, talk to all the brokers, talk to everybody and find the deal. A lot of times the brokers are going to double in the deals, represent both the buyer and the seller. And so it doesn't matter as much who your broker is. It matters more the deal. And then I always recommend, hey, have, like I said, that third party, somebody, you know, consultant. Obviously, we offer consulting, but any consultant that understands the business, maybe another owner, you know, somebody like that who knows the business to really make sure they're looking for red flags for you, making sure you're asking the right questions, getting the right information. Like I said, the, the broker can be a great resource. I just wouldn't rely solely on them anymore. So that's one thing. And then the other thing that's working really well to find deals right now is like direct mail marketing campaigns. And there's not a lot of that happening, although there's a little bit more than there was, but it's still a a golden opportunity for finding laundromats for sale right now. And then the trick becomes, you know, verifying the income, right? Because they're cash businesses, notoriously bad at keeping the books or notoriously very good at keeping the books, if you know what I mean. And so it can be tough to to verify the income of a cash-based laundromat. So that's, you know, that's one of the tricks that, you know, during due diligence that you gotta, you're probably going to need some guidance and help on. So I guess you could kind of figure out, I mean, you, you know, when we're, sometimes we're looking at properties that, you know, yeah, the financials are, are really bad. So we could take kind of averages that we know and kind of kind of guesstimate the income based on how many units, the occupancy, stuff like that. And so are you able to, based on the demographics, kind of figure out some of those things as well? Yeah. So you can look at demographics. You can look at... So you'll do like coin counts where you'll go in with the owner, count, like collect the quarters or whatever and, and count them. You'll do like a water analysis where... You know, you take a look at the water bills and you compare that to how much water each type of machine uses and how many times a day they're being used. And so you can basically, the way that I describe it is you're going to stack a whole bunch of methods on top of each other to try to get this range of what the income is as narrow as possible. You're never really going to pinpoint it exactly, but you want to get it as close as you can 
to how much money's coming in. So you're using a whole bunch of methods to sort of cross reference each other. And the way I understand that water bill is so important because the IRS basically like, I might be communicating this wrong, but like checks the water bill based on usage to like really pinpoint where your income should be so that for those investors out there thinking that, you know, you can get away with, with murder with a laundromat, you really can't because of that, you know, that water bill is, is a key indicator, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the water bill is going to get you pretty close, but it's not going to be precise either. And so, yes, that, I mean, I think the IRS does utilize the water bill primarily to kind of back into a number. So, but it's not, it's not going to be a precise number, but I don't recommend you, you know, keeping bad books or keeping wrong books or keeping two books. I think that shoots you in the foot when it comes to the valuation of your, of your laundromat on the back end too. So it's not worth it to me. So give me um, some rough numbers of what a, a laundromat or maybe what you're looking for, for investors out there that have always thought about owning one and just, you know, they don't know what, what to expect uh, as far as like cash on cash mm-hmm. or, you know, IR. Yeah. Well, this is why, I mean, so a lot of real estate investors, their ears real perk up when they start talking laundromats because, and I, so I have real estate. I love real, probably real estate's my first love, to be honest when it comes to investing in assets. However, the average real estate deal can't touch the average laundromat deal when it comes to cash flow uh, and cash on cash return. So for a laundromat, uh, an average deal, a base hit deal is a 20 to 25% return on your investment. And that's unleveraged. So once you throw a loan on top of that, that number can go up from there. And that's just sort of an average return. So yeah, it's tough to find that in real estate or really a whole lot, most other places really. And so that makes laundromats pretty attractive. Now, I will say, although they're simple and they're relatively hand, I I call them time divorced. They're not, you know, it's not like a job. They're also not passive, right? You can make them more passive and there are ways to do that, but it's not passive. And I always kind of half joke, anytime you got a bunch of people or a bunch of machines, you're going to have problems, right? You got a bunch of both laundromats. So there are problems that come up that need to be dealt with. However, I mean, you're looking at maybe five to 10 hours a week for that 20 to 25% return on your money. That's pretty, pretty good return. Yeah. Cause on, you know, typical multifamily, I mean, it could be, you know, a few percentage points in the first year to you know maybe ten percent. It's mm-hmm. I mean that is uh, that's pretty that's pretty high. Yeah, yeah, and you can I mean you can see how that adds up real fast. Now the you know the benefit of multifamily specifically, but real estate in general is that equity play, right? Because you know the upside of laundromats is that their cash flow is higher. However, the downside is the equity doesn't grow as quickly. You can still force equity in a laundromat, but it just doesn't grow as quickly as it does in real estate. So that's the that's the downside. But that's why I say, you know, a lot of people who are looking for, they're looking to exit their nine to five job, you know, they want financial freedom. I actually don't think you should start with real estate. I actually think you should start with something like a laundromat where you can get that cash flow that's going to give you the freedom and then you can go build that portfolio because you're just going to get there a lot quicker you know, getting 20, 25% cash on cash return than you will at five to 10% return on your money. So 
is you know with you know, is there a, a number or inflection point for like scalability that you're trying to hit as an owner where it really make you know, could you know put together a team and marketing and whatnot like what is there some magic numbers with that yeah so uh, yes and no i mean I, I think once you hit the like three or four laundromats that's a point where you could start to hire a manager i mean it depends there's people with one laundromat does huge money, huge volume and, and has a manager. Right. So I'm speaking kind of generally three or four is generally about the time where you can get a manager. And then as long as you get the right person in place and you get the right systems in place, that business can become much more hands-off at that point. Right. Uh, You probably still want to keep an eye on it, but it can be much more hands-off at that point. So, but like I said, it can be anywhere from one to four or five depending on how big or how much volume they're doing that you start to really see the benefits of that scale. So talk to me about laundromat resource. What do you, what do you guys do there? I know you, it's really helpful for your first time laundromat owners, but maybe, you know, maybe seasoned laundromat owners as well. Tell, Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. Well, it came about where, so it started with, Hey, I learned these very expensive lessons, right? They were expensive financially, they're expensive emotionally. And I you know, started hearing like, hey, this is not an isolated incident. This has happened to other people. And I was like, you know what? Not on my watch. Like Nobody's got to go through what I just went through to learn these lessons. So I started a blog. So that was laundromatresource.com. Started a little blog. And then you know, writing takes a lot of time. It's really hard to do well. And so I was like, well, I'll start a YouTube channel because I don't mind like getting in front of a camera. So I started a YouTube channel. So we have Laundromat Resource on YouTube. Check it out. And then I was like, you know what? If I really want to help people, I need to help them learn like best practices. And the best way to do that is to start talking to other owners who are just killing it. And so that's where the podcast came about. And I I interview, you know, laundromat owners and other industry professionals there. And, you know, we I ask them point blank, hey, what's you know, what's the secret sauce here? Tell us what you're doing well. That's, you know, making you kill it in the business. And I say, Hey, give us a tip for the people who are trying to buy their first laundromat. What do they need to know? What do they need to do? So it's, you know, it's a lot about hearing how people got into this weird little business that we're in. Nobody really grows up saying, I want to own a laundromat. So how did we end up here? And what have you learned since you've been in the industry? And we've had people who are just buying their first laundromat who've come on and shared what that experience is like all the way up to, you know, I've got a couple of buddies who are their brothers and they own 40 plus laundromats. And so, you know, and everything in between. So it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun doing that. And the whole goal is, I, my whole goal is to help people achieve financial freedom. And I think laundromats, it's just a vehicle, right? It doesn't have to be through laundromats, but for the people that it fits, I want to help them achieve it as quickly as possible so that they can go and do big things, help a lot of people, you know, all that. So that's the goal there. Awesome. I love it. I mean, that that's what this show is about, providing resources and, and sharing mistakes and best practices for investors that are looking for financial freedom. So I, I appreciate you sharing. So thanks for so much for coming on. Uh, so share that. Sorry, share that website one more time so people know where to go to. And is that your main, you know, laundry resource? Is that where they should go to for information on you, or is that just one aspect? Yeah. So laundromatresource.com. 
That's Laundro Matt. A lot of people put laundry. It's laundromatresource.com. Or you can just Google Laundromat Resource uh, there. Uh, my email address is jordan at laundromatresource.com. And you know we got a blog there. Podcast is everywhere if you want to check out the podcast. It's a surprisingly successful podcast for being about laundromats. That's a lot of fun to do. And then obviously we have the uh, YouTube channel as well. If you prefer video content, it's that's all over there too. So that's where you can find awesome. us. Riches in the niches. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Investor Podcast. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and leave a review as it will help us reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website at breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.